Welcome to This Wayfaring Life, where we celebrate coming fully alive to the adventure of following Jesus. I'm your host, Dawn Jackson. Each week, we lean into stories and conversations of faith and hope seasoned with just enough grit to give you traction. I'm glad you're here. Hey, friends, it is so good to be back here with you on This Wayfaring Life. And I'm coming to you here after a very busy and fun week last week. I'm sure if you've been listening to the podcast, you heard us talking about living by design and breaking up with fear. It was the very first workshop that myself and my friends Whit and Hill and I were doing together, and we held it last Thursday night, and it was so much fun. In fact, some of you, uh, my listeners, some of you came out, and you you were at the, at the workshop, and we got to hang out and chat, and that was awesome. The coffee shop was full. We were over at Namba Coffee Shop in Laverne. And it was fun. It was encouraging. Um, and just, uh, yeah, it was a really, really great night. And, um, you know, fear just comes in. So it shows up in so many different ways. And so, you know, whether it was Witt's story with it showing up in chronic pain that she battled for 10 years or Hill's story with all that she dealt with, with her eating disorder. And then my story was very different than theirs in my story. It was a driver underneath. And in some ways it looked like I was being successful, but what was driving me was actually just this addiction to uh, the whole phrase, I am what I do, performance driven, and it was not healthy. And uh, so anyway, we had a chance to unpack all of that. We had some uh, tools for everybody who came on how they could battle fear themselves. And um, yeah, it was awesome. And then from that, we invited anybody who wanted to come out and join us for a hike, a gentle hike out in Marshall Canyon on Saturday. So Saturday morning, there was a group of us. We, we met back at Namba, grabbed ourselves a coffee and uh, headed up to Marshall Canyon. And what a beautiful day. And that was a really special time as well. So um, I know a lot of people afterwards were saying, oh, please do this again. And there's been some people who know they had to miss it for various reasons. This last time, that first workshop, are you going to do it again? So two things. First of all, we do have a digital version of the workshop we just did that you can purchase um, if you're interested. And I'll, I'll put a link for that in the show notes. And then second, yeah, we're going to do the next workshop when right now we're looking to do something maybe in January, it could be February. We're, we're still playing with the date a little bit. And basically these are sort of like building blocks. And so this second one, while it will be a standalone in that if you didn't go to the first one, it would all make sense. It would even go deeper though, if you have at least an understanding from the worst first workshop. So you may want to pick up that digital version of workshop one of breaking up with fear. And I'll be sure to keep you all in the loop for the second workshop that'll be coming right after the first of the year. Well, hey, today's shout out. I saw this, um, I think I first saw it either as an, I, it was either YouTube or maybe it was IG, but um, maybe you saw this, it's pretty incredible. This man by the name of Alfredo Aliaga, he's from Spain. I don't know if I said that name right, um, or pronounced it correctly, but that's sort of how it's, it's spelled here in front of me. Anyway, 92 years old, all right, and he hiked rim to rim across the Grand Canyon. He started on the South Rim. If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, if you stand there on the South Rim, because that's usually the side most of us go when we visit, and you look all the way across, okay, that is 24 miles across. It has 10,000 plus feet of elevation gain and loss. And this gentleman, 92, he hiked the entire thing 
just last month in October. And I think that is just so, so cool. He had, I think, some family members with him. And um, I'm not sure exactly of the time. Maybe if I can find the time, I can put it in the show notes. But is that not incredible? 92 years old. He set a new Guinness Book of World Records, actually, being the oldest person to ever hike all the way across from rim to rim at the Grand Canyon. And he's he's the shout out today. I know he's not a product, but remember, shout outs are not necessarily products. They can be, they can be resources, but sometimes a shout out just needs to be an inspirational person. And I don't know about you, but I'm very inspired by this man. Uh, You know, so many times we fall prey to so many self-imposed limits. And one of them oftentimes is, well, I'm too old or, you know, something like that. And this gentleman just really helped to remove some limits. Really powerful. So, you know, as you think about that, and it's in Backpacking Magazine. So like I said, I'll put the link in. You can read the story on him. There's probably some other write-ups on him as well. He actually wants to go back next year and do it again. I love this man's spirit. This is so awesome. So I don't know, I think about stories like this and I think, my gosh, what limits am I empowering in my life? And maybe that's something you can think about right now too. I mean, you know, if a 92-year-old man can go hike rim to rim at the Grand Canyon, maybe there's some things we can do that we've just been telling ourselves that we can't do, that we just need to move that limit aside. Um, so anyway, just a thought for you and and maybe to inspire you as well, because maybe there's some things you wanted to wanting to do in 2024. And maybe you've been like, ah, man, I just think I might just be too old or I don't have whatever it is that you need. And I would just say, you know what, maybe peel those limits back and let's lean in a little bit and see, uh, see what could be because uh, it may not be rim to rim at the Grand Canyon, but it might be just as spectacular for you for whatever it is that you're leaning into in the context of your life. Uh, But let's, uh, yeah, let's lean into that. I I don't know. To me, that's a great example of being a wayfarer too. It's just like, hey, no limits. 93, and he just goes for it. It's just super cool. As you can tell, I'm very inspired by him. So, hey, we've been on a journey, friends. Um, I was looking at this. We are on episode 13 of this first season. And, um, remember for the very first one, have, have I the faith to leave old ways and break fresh ground with God? And I hope, I hope, I hope your faith is being built up over these weeks with these podcasts and it's growing and it's giving you like that encouragement to be able to leave the old, to embrace the new. And so, yeah, we've covered a lot of ground in these last 12 weeks of what a wayfaring life actually looks like. And so today, today I want to talk with you about drawing up a, and signing a contract with God. Now I know at first that's going to sound a lot, it's not, it's going to sound really, really weird and almost like, Hey, wait a minute. Is that's a little bit off? What do you mean a contract with God? But if you just hang with me on the story, it'll all make sense when we, when we tie it all together in a nice little bow at the end here. But, uh, you know, contract, I was remembering when I was putting this together, my very first contract that I ever signed, um, was actually when I was 14 years old, probably too young to be signing a contract. Um, but I had, my stepdad was an interesting character and, um, and I had wanted a dog for the longest time. And so finally he was going to relent and allow me to, to get a dog. We were going to buy this golden retriever. Uh, but first, before he let me have it, he wrote up a contract that basically entailed all that I was going to be responsible for with this dog, you know, walking the dog, feeding the dog, cleaning up out. Anyway, all the different things. And then he wanted me to sign it. And, um, and then 
we split the cost of the dog. And he always would tell me, well, you own half that dog. I own the other half. But I don't know which half like I actually owned, you know, so because I had to clean up after it and feed it. So anyway, he just wanted to make sure I knew what I was getting myself into and, uh, and wanted to make sure that I kept my end of the deal, that he could pull it out and say, you signed this contract. Now, most of us have signed contracts before, right? For home repairs or phones or cable TV or, you know, mortgage, you know, when you bought a house or whatever it might be, buying a car. And the beauty of a contract is that you know what you can expect, right? You know what you're getting yourself into. And you know the specifics of what you can hold the other party accountable for. A contract basically makes things clear. Well, hold that thought, if you will, for a minute. And let me just take you back quite a few years now. Uh, back when I was 20 years old, uh, I was a park and recreation leader for the city of Glendora and my assignment was Finkbeiner Park. So I was often, you know, out there after I was going to, I don't know if I was at Citrus or APU at this particular stage, but I would go to school and then I would come to the park right around three in the afternoon in the winter time and check out, you know, jelly balls and basketballs and carom boards and sticks to kids and, you know, just keep a general eye on the park until sunset and then close everything up. And so it was winter, it was December, a little bit chilly out, park didn't have hardly anybody there. So I always had books with me and I pulled out this book and began to read and I came across this story and this story became like a pivotal moment for me in my life. Um, I can still remember even looking back and it's been decades since this happened. I can remember the oak tree I was sitting under and the look and the feel of the park that day. I believe there was a gentle breeze. It may have been a little bit overcast. Like I can remember what it felt like to be there. And here's the, basically the gist of the story as I remember it from that book. Um, he was telling, the author of the book was telling the story of this missionary. And this missionary was telling the story of when he was a younger man. So at this particular time, this missionary was elderly. He was getting ready like to retire and and he's thinking back over his life and he's telling the story of how when he was a young man, what he had done is he had gone into a chapel. I mean, he just loved God so much. And he went into this chapel and he, um, he took a sheet of paper and a pen with him and he made a list of everything he was going to do for God because he loved God so much. So he makes this list and he just keeps adding things to it, how he was willing to be a missionary and he would go and teach people and he would give to the poor and he would do all these things. And so he made this list and then at the bottom of it, he signed it and he dated it like you would a contract. And he said that when he was in this church, he then put it at the altar at the church and he sat down like on the front pew and just sort of waited. He said he wasn't exactly sure what he was waiting for, but just some sign from God showing how, you know, amazed God was that he was willing to give up so much and do so much for him. So he's waiting to just, you know, get some sign of approval from God. And he said, it's just silent in the church. So he said he just, uh, and you know, probably, let me just say this too. He's probably thinking like by sign of approval, I don't know that he was looking for like lightning and hear God audibly, but you know, maybe just something even in his spirit to shift where he just knew God was pleased with him. And he said he heard nothing. It was just silence. So he went back over and he picked up the sheet of paper and he looked it over. And then he thought of a few more things that he would do for God. And so he added them to his list. I'll do this and I'll do that. And he made that list longer and he put it back up on that altar again and stepped back and waited to see how pleased God would be with all the sacrifices, you know, he was willing to make. 
But still, it was just quiet. There was nothing. And he was like, man, God, aren't you pleased with me? I mean, look at this. It's like, well, okay, maybe I forgot something else. So we went back, grabbed the paper, he added a few more things. Still nothing, no sign from God. He repeated this a few times until finally he was standing there and he started to hear the still small voice of God speaking to him in his heart. And he heard God whisper this in his heart. God said, get the contract and tear it up. And he was like, what God, are you kidding me? And God's like, no, go get that contract off the altar and tear it up. He's like, God, these are all the things I am planning to do for you. I mean, aren't you like amazed? Aren't you, aren't you pleased with me? Isn't this amazing that I'm willing to do so much? And he just argued with God for a while because God just kept saying, go and tear it up. So finally he went and he obeyed. He said, then after he had torn it up, the Lord said this, he said, now go get a clean piece of paper, leave it blank sign and date it like a contract and leave it on the altar and let me fill it in as I see best over the years of your life. And he said, he just sort of stood there for a second and he he whispered to the Lord, Lord, that's, that's completely different. He stood there and then he decided, okay, he obeyed. He went and he got a blank sheet of paper He didn't write anything on it, except at the end, at the very bottom, where he signed his name, and he put the date, and he put it there on that altar. He said, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you to fill it in with whatever it is you want to fill in. So this missionary, he's telling this story. He's an old man now. So now he begins to reflect. He says, you know what? From that day, God began to fill in that contract with things I couldn't have even amazed. There's so much he put in there. Some of it was really hard. Some of it was really painful. Some of it was incredibly joyous. It was definitely something unlike anything I could have ever dreamed writing. I would have never have been able to guess all that God would write on that contract for me over the decades of my life. And he said, and there is not one thing I would change. Not one thing that I would change by letting God write those things into my life. As I read that, I was greatly impacted. I was 20 years old. I was going to school. I thought in those days I was going to be a school teacher. My my undergrad um, is uh, I have a BS or a BA in um, social science history, uh, with uh, it's a history emphasis. I was going to be a school teacher. That was my plan. Coach um, girls sports after school. You know, get married, have the you know little house with the picket fence, and. Um, you know, serve at church on the weekends, whatever. You know, I just had my own little picture of what I thought my life was going to look like. But I'm sitting there in the park and it was almost like God orchestrated it that day that nobody would be there. So no interruptions. And I heard God speak into my heart. Hey, Dom, go get a blank sheet of paper. Pull it out of your notebook. I want you to sign it. I want you to date it. And I want you to let me fill it in for your life. And I was like, wow, Lord. And so I did. I pulled out this piece of paper. I had a three-ring notebook back then. And um, in fact, I still have it, this paper that I dated. In fact, as I'm recording this, I'm looking at it right now. My signature is at the bottom. It's dated December 27th, 1986. I'm dating myself now. Um, Tell how old I am. But you know what? That was decades ago. And my friends... 
I, there's still plenty of space for God because I plan to live to be 104. <laughs> I don't plan on, I don't think my life's quite over yet. So there's still plenty of space for God to write things in, but the things God has written in to this contract on my life are amazing. And he continues to do so, continues to do so. It's just been like, it was so pivotal for me to do this. It's like, a, it was a, what I found is that by doing this, and sometimes he brings me back to this to look at it again, it just causes to a deeper and deeper surrender. You know, I gave my life to the Lord when I was a little kid, but there's different times we come before him again and we understand a little bit more. And it's just like laying that down at the cross as well. It's almost like an onion. You just keep peeling and going deeper and deeper, a deeper surrender. And I guess today with all of this, just some thoughts for us all are, you know, are we trying to negotiate a contract with God? Are we trying to like get him to write certain things in or trying to write things in ourselves? And like, okay, God, you got that, but then I'm going to do this. And it just doesn't work that way because things like this, it's a surrendered life. It's, Hey Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? Where do you want me to go? Lord, you fill in the details. We don't uh, negotiate contracts with him. We just let him fill it in and we sign off our name on it and trust him and step out in obedience. If you remember, may have been a few weeks back now, maybe a couple months, I did a podcast episode where I talked about my dog, Shelby, and how um, she didn't want to jump into the water to come out to the boat. If you didn't hear that episode, I'll put it in the show notes. But long story short, she realized that the safest place for her to be was actually to face her fear of the water and stay in the presence of her master, which is me, rather than be all alone on that island that we had been at. Um, and we were out boating. And I just think about that. The safest place that we can ever be and always be is in the presence of our master. And when we let him write in the details to our life, even when we don't understand, when we don't try to negotiate with God, but we actually surrender to the plan that he has for us, we are, and safe doesn't mean that we don't face hard things. So let's be sure it be like, you ever notice, um, a little bit of a tangent, but I want to take us there real quick. If you ever notice in the book of Acts, the disciples, when they get together to pray, they don't pray, Oh Lord, make me safe. Keep us safe. They say, they pray, Oh God, make us bold in the face of our enemies. Like that's huge. A lot of times in this day and age, we're so looking safe, safe. And, and I totally get and propose, and I would actually um, encourage like safe relationships, who you're going to share things with. You need to have a safe group of friends without a doubt. But sometimes God calls us into places that may not necessarily look to be the safest, but it's where he's calling us to. And that's what happened in the book of Acts. And God gave them boldness when the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they were able to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ and the goodness and who he, the, the fact that him being the son of God and the resurrection and all of that, because the power of the Spirit fell upon them in a very dangerous space, but they were right in the very heart of where God wanted them to be. And so it's not necessarily about always like looking for safety. However, I would also then say with this, that like, Maybe, maybe safety is the wrong word. Maybe it's something different. It's just like that place of actually, um, living full out and knowing that we've got, that God is just like, it's, it's staying close to him, right? That's what it means to be wayfarers. We stay as close as we can to, to Jesus as he leads us, knowing he's never going to leave us. Um, and we just want to be in his presence because there's always something powerful about being in his presence. 
And when we let him write the script, we may not always understand what he writes into this contract, but it is always, first and foremost, it's always best for what he's doing big picture wise for the kingdom. Because remember, our lives are just little stories, but we're part of a much bigger story that we may not always be able to see or understand. But if we step back, almost like a Monet um, impressionism, if you remember art, impressionism was like a form of art, right? And Monet was an, was a painter and he was an incredible painter. But if you stood real close to his works of art, it didn't make a lot of sense. They look messy. You would have to step back. And when you step back, you see the full picture and you go, oh my gosh, that little messy piece now makes complete sense when you look at the whole. And that's also our lives. And God knows what he's doing. And he's building something great and grand and he's including us in all of that. And we need to trust him for our piece of the painting, our part of that picture, that contract, if you will, that he fills in with the details, the way that he sees fit to fill in. Now, you know, sometimes like we find ourselves in a place of stuckness, we're trying to figure everything out and come up with some plan and, and don't get me wrong. There's a time for planning but I just really want to hit this from this angle here today. You know, what if we just step back a few minutes and let Jesus write our story? What if you step back and let Jesus write your story? There's definitely a place for writing goals and purpose and mission. In fact, I'm going to do an entire season on all of that after the first of the year. And I'm going to also offer online group coaching on that as well. But everything flows though, from being in his presence and letting him be the author of our life. So let's let him author it here today. Rather than dictating to him, let's follow him. He's the way maker, right? We're the wayfarers. And as we said earlier, and in other episodes, we just want to have the faith, right? To leave old ways and break fresh ground with God. So just follow him where he leads, friend. Maybe today you need to go grab that blank sheet of paper and sign and date it at the bottom and maybe put it away for another time to encourage you, but let him fill in the details. So courage, my friend, courage. God's got you. I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me today on This Wayfaring Life. If you'd like more information on coaching with me, head over to thiswayfaringlife.net where I offer growth coaching for life, leadership, and spiritual formation. See you next time.